This is where great ideas about the financial world come together. Welcome to the Financial Forum Podcast with the president of Fortune Financial Group, Chris Galise. All right, Christopher, let's talk about our feelings. Oh, no. <laughs> I won't sing, but... Uh... <laughs> right. As soon as you say feelings, I keep, you know, whoa, not, whoa, whoa, feelings. Right. Not, yep. <laughs> nothing, nothing more than feelings. That's right. right. And you forget <laughs> our feelings, feelings of financial stuff. That's what we're going to do. There you go. Uh, <laughs> all right. So look, you know, it's not all just math and logic. It, it plays a huge portion, obviously, but there's also the feeling part of it, right? Where sometimes you got to just take some things into account uh, because it's going to weigh heavily on how we just approach it uh, because it can carry a lot, you know, mentally. And that goes a long way into our, uh, how we want to be happy in retirement and things of that nature. So absolutely, uh, let's do a couple places here that where the feeling is pretty heavy. Well, where you want to live, uh, how you want to live, downsizing, all those things, the family home, whatever, that goes into a, a, comes into play right a lot on your financial feelings it, it does right so if you're if you're looking at it just from a financial standpoint just from a math standpoint right. well probably just about everybody would benefit from downsizing as they transition to retirement because most folks are going to have an empty nest right if they're married if they had a family uh, most people by the time they're reaching retirement age uh, the kids are grown and they're moved out of the house very often you don't need as much house as you did when you were raising a family so again just sticking with the numbers it would probably cost you less to move it to a smaller house or maybe go into a, a townhouse or an apartment or things like that so strictly financial speaking you will probably save money you will spend less by downsizing but like we just said, Mark, it's not all just about the numbers, right? It's about where your comfort level is. You know, you know, maybe you still want to have that that homestead that you raised your family in. Maybe you still want to have that base that you could still have holiday gatherings for Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter. All the kids and the grandkids might still want to come there and uh, and gather there. You know, so it's those are things that you you want to look at. You know, is it better to stay in your house, stay in your same hometown, or uh, does it make sense to downsize or maybe move to a, a different part of your area or even a different part of the country? Right. right? So many people, um, you know, want to become snowbirds. They want to avoid uh, the often harsh winters that we get here in Northeast Pennsylvania. So uh, there's certainly the financial aspect uh, that you want to explore, but a lot of other things that go into it as well. Well, okay, so when we're talking about the family home, for example, let's talk about the, the family that we're leaving behind. Let's talk about the, the financial feelings that we have about a legacy. Now, oddly enough, and I guess, well, maybe not odd's a good word, but there are people who do not want to leave a legacy, and then there are people who that's everything to them. Absolutely. And this is one of the things I talk about when I sit down with folks for the first time, Mark, is to talk about how important is it to leave a legacy right, to your right. children, your grandchildren, or maybe even uh, to charities if, if you don't have a family. Uh, and your thoughts, your desires on legacy planning will dictate what our retirement plans will look like. Uh, because if it is important that there is money left over, 
we're going to approach your retirement plan from a different angle uh, as opposed to if you just said to me, hey, Chris, I don't care if the last check bounces when I pass away. I don't care if there's anything left. Those are two completely different desires. And depending on where you're at will dictate uh, the way we plan for your retirement. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point. And, you know, when we're talking about our financial feelings here, how we kind of um, relate to on an emotional level, some of these uh, pieces, well, how you're going to relate to the actual numbers, I think is an interesting way to look at it. And we said math and logic's not everything, but how do you feel about the numbers? And what I mean about that is, uh, you know, Chris, I'm sure you have clients that are, are on both spectrums here. There are some people who love the details. They want to know the nitty gritty, um, you know, the nuts, the bolts, the whole nine yards of what's going on. And there's others who want to devote as little as thought as possible to their plan yeah and and no one you know you know when we talk about legacy planning it it's a lot of times it's black and white people say yes it's real important to me or they say no it's really not that important we don't have discussions with folks when they come in to say you know how involved do you want to be how much detail do you want to have that's something i'm just able to tell from various conversations with my uh, clients and prospective clients. So depending on the sense I get, the the depth that I get from folks, that will a lot of times dictate how I go over the numbers, how I present the financial plan, how I conduct my annual reviews with them. Some reviews, some plans uh, will entail five, six, seven, eight, sometimes nine or 10 pages of a lot of numbers because I know the the people I'm meeting with in those meetings are uh, very interested in all the numbers. Uh, for other folks, you know, when I get the sense that they're more of a, hey, Chris, tell me what time it is. You don't have to tell me how the watch works. Right, you know, right. if I get the sense that they're like that, you know, then the, the numbers, the pages we're going over are a lot less detailed because, again, every, everybody wants to process their information on a different level. Same way when you go to a doctor, you know, some people really want to know every single detail of what a doctor is talking to you about and other people and i'm i'm in this camp when it comes to medical it's just hey just just give me the big picture and you don't have to you know pepper it up with all different medical jargon or not same way happens right. in the financial industry as well yeah i got you well one more chris before we take a break here uh and the feeling around the market okay obviously that's a big one i saved it for last how you feel about it can you handle the stress of a turbulent market or does it just you know make you bite your nails uh, that's a great point, Mark. And that's how I put together uh, retirement plans for the families that I work with, because I really don't believe in any cookie cutter solutions or one size fits all type of plans. Uh, when we are going to allocate money into the stock market, I want to make sure that that market based portfolio that I recommend to to folks is going to be appropriate for their own comfort level with risk. And every individual has their own comfort level. Some folks, the market could be all over the place. It could be up 300 points one day, down 400 points the next day, up 250 the next day. And they don't lose a wink of sleep, but they just look at it as a long-term endeavor and it doesn't bother them at all. Where other folks, the market might be up 50 points one day, down 25 points the next day, which is really not that volatile, but they they can't sleep at night because the, the gyrations are 
too much for them. So it's important to know in advance what type of temperament you have so I can construct the proper portfolio for you. Uh, so there's a tool I use that will you know, actually help determine on a number basis from one all the way up to 99 what your comfort level with risk is. Uh, so if this tool determines that you're a one, for example, well, if that's a situation, then you really shouldn't have any of your money in the stock market whatsoever. Uh, you're the type that, you know, I'm saying this half jokingly, but you're the type that would want to have your money just buried in the backyard because you can't stomach any type of volatility. Now, the other extreme, let's say you scored a 99. Well, that means you're the type of personality that would, you know, go to Vegas every weekend or go down to the Mohegan Sun here in uh, here in our area, the casino every every day, if you could, because you have a you're kind of a gambler's personality. Uh, so obviously, someone who scores a 99, the portfolio I construct for them uh, would look a lot different than someone who scores, say, a 39. That's why it's so important to make sure that the uh, the investments you have are consistent with your own temperament. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right, so Claire has got a question for you, Chris. She's in Hamlin, and she says, I got a big bonus a few weeks ago, so big that my 401k is now maxed out for the year because so much went into the 401k from that single paycheck. But I still want to save for the rest of the year. Where should I be looking? It's funny. A thought or a phrase popped in my head when you, you said that Claire got a big bonus. Uh -huh. You know, I could hear the audience. I don't know what game show used to be that would go, how big oh. is it? <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember what show that was either. I don't remember, but does it sound familiar? It to does you? sound familiar. Yeah, okay, I don't know. We'll have okay. to look it up and figure it out later. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a hard. I don't even know where to start uh, with Google, but uh, I'm sure someone could find it. But uh, yeah, so with uh, with Claire, what her her situation is, uh, she's talking about maxing out her 401k, and what the uh, the situation is is that you can only put so much money into your company retirement plans if you're under 50, you could put a maximum of $19,000 a year into that plan. And then if you're 50 or over, you get a uh, what's called a $6,000 catch-up contribution. So you could put up to $25,000 a year. Uh, but it sounds like the bonus that Claire received has now put her over that number, whether it's $19,000 or $25,000. She can no longer put any more in. Uh, and she's still got a long way to go, right? Here we are. It's only... Middle of the year, yeah. She can't, she can't put anything more into it. So there are a lot of options that she can explore where she could uh, continue socking money away for her retirement. Uh, she could open up just a, uh, a regular non-qualified account, a, a, a brokerage account, a, uh, a bank account, any kind of account like that where there are no limits whatsoever. She could put as much as she wanted to those accounts and that money can continue to grow for her for retirement. The problem with that type of an account though is that the money won't be tax deferred like her 401k is. She would have to pay uh, taxes on any interest or dividends that are paid out during the year. Uh, so if she is uh, really keen on having this money grow for retirement on a tax deferred basis, then she may want to consider an annuity because with an annuity, that 
uh, account. There are no contribution limits on it. You could put as much as you want into it, and the money will grow tax-deferred in those accounts, just like it will in your company retirement plan. Uh, And then another option, if she truly wants to have uh, not only tax-deferred growth for retirement, but if she wants to have tax-free growth for retirement, she could also consider um, properly structured life insurance policies. A lot of folks don't realize that life insurance, if it is structured the right way, can give you the ability to save on a tax-free basis for retirement. And with those accounts, too, there are no contribution limits. Uh, So, Claire, congrats on the big bonus. uh, And the good news is there are lots of options to explore to continue saving for your uh, retirement. Well, Claire, hope that helps you out a little bit with some things to think about. Give Chris a call if you'd like to talk about it more specifically and maybe stop in for a chat. 800-993-1526. All right, Doug is over in Mountaintop. And, you know, every time I, I see, see Mountaintop, I think of Elaine on Seinfeld and, and the Muffin Tops. I don't know oh, why, okay. but I just <laughs> I as soon that. as I see Mountaintop or hear it, I just think of Muffin Top. I don't know why. And, and, and that was one of the things with Seinfeld because uh, on a personal basis, so many of the things that they joked about, you could relate to, you know, yada, yada, yadas and right, close right. talkers and things like that. But uh, I, I never was able to relate to just focusing on the the top of the muffin because I you know I'm not a huge muffin fan but you know when I do get my occasional chocolate chip muffin I enjoyed the whole part of it the whole not thing, just yeah. the muffin top so it was uh you know it's funny right they, they, in the episode even the you know the homeless wouldn't want them right, <laughs> right at the bottom parts yeah I'm I'm a fan of the whole muffin myself but yeah it's one of those things where I guess like you, you can you can have your um treat without having all the calories by not having the bottom part I guess maybe that was I the guess, idea but some... I, I yeah I I love I like the whole part though well Doug we digress sorry buddy here's your question <laughs> so Doug in Mountaintop says Chris someone told me that I should start doing some Roth conversions with my money in my IRA, but I've always been told that I make too much money to do Roth. So I'm confused. Can you help me out with this, please? Yeah, and I hear this a lot, that there is confusion. And what Doug is is mistaking is there's two different conversations that are out there. One is the eligibility to make contributions to Roth IRAs with new money, and the other conversation revolves around doing a Roth conversion. Okay, so when you want to convert existing IRA assets into Roth IRA assets, there are no income limits at all. It doesn't matter how much you can make. You can make a million dollars a year. You could still convert existing IRAs into Roth IRAs. What you can't do, though, depending on your income, is you can't contribute new money into a Roth IRA. So how the rules work that if you are a single filer, uh, you need to make under $137,000 a year to be eligible to make a Roth contribution. And if you're uh, a married filer, your income needs to be under $203,000 to be eligible to make Roth contributions. So there's where the confusion is. There's income limits on contributing new money into Roth IRAs, but there are no income limits at all if you want to convert existing IRA assets into a Roth IRA. So hopefully that makes sense uh, for you, Doug. And if you need further clarification, don't hesitate to to reach out to me. 800-993-1526. That's the number to reach out to Chris Galise at Fortune Financial Group. 800-993-1526. 
All right, final question this week is from Miss Catherine, and she is in Lake Winola. And she's God, uh, they're probably enjoying themselves this time of year, yeah. uh, being out in the lake with uh, summertime weather, longer hours. Uh, a lot of people enjoy their boats up there and everything. Beautiful, beautiful uh, lake up there, Lake Winola. Very familiar with it. Well, Catherine says, Chris, my mom is aging quickly, and I'd like to retire and help take care of her. I have plenty of money in my 401k, but I am only 57 years old. Is it foolish to start considering retirement now? Maybe not. You know, on the surface, you might think, oh, I'm 57. I'm too young to retire. But if you've done a good job of saving for retirement, it certainly can be within the realm of possibility to retire early. But there are certain things that you need to consider that someone who might be 67 uh, would not have to worry about. Uh, one of the main things to worry about retiring uh, before 65 is what are you going to do about health insurance? Yeah. Because you're not eligible for Medicare yet, which kicks in at age 65. So if Catherine does retire at 57, there will be an eight-year gap where she's going to have to come up with uh, out-of-pocket money for those health care premiums. So make sure that you're factoring in the cost of health care when you're doing calculations to determine if you can retire at 57. Uh, another thing to consider is that if you are taking money out of uh, your IRAs, before 59 and a half, you are going to be subject to a, a premature withdrawal penalty. The IRS will assess you with a 10% penalty for taking money out of any IRAs before that magic age of 59 and a half. But one thing, Catherine, uh, to consider is that you say you talked about having money in your 401k. So if you don't roll that 401k into an IRA, because a lot of times it does make sense when you retire to roll your 401k money into an IRA for, for more control, more choices and things like that. One of the times when it doesn't make sense is if you're retiring uh, at age 55 or later, which obviously Catherine would be doing, she's retiring at 55 or later, and if she keeps the money in her 401k, she doesn't roll it into an IRA, she can actually pull money out of that 401k and not be subject to uh, that IRS pre-59.5 uh, penalty. So uh, there are a lot of factors, Catherine, that you should look at. I'm certainly not here to tell you on the radio because I don't know enough about your situation whether you can or cannot retire now. Uh, so what I would ask you to do is either give myself a call or really give any retirement planner a call uh, so we could sit down with you, look at all of the numbers with your situation and then we could tell you with confidence whether retiring now or not makes sense you've been listening to the financial forum podcast again if you have any questions don't hesitate to reach out to chris scalise 800-993-1526 that's 800-993-1526 you can also get in touch online by going to fortune-financial.org that's fortune-financial.org and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Just search for the Financial Forum Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC, AEWM.
AEWM and Fortune Financial Group are not affiliated companies. Fortune Financial Group is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to safety, security, or guaranteed lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investment products. Insurance and annuity product guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Fortune Financial Group is not permitted to offer and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. We are not affiliated with the U.S. government or any government agency.